this is our last Sunday in this series as we study Psalm 25. So throughout today's service, we will be hearing this psalm in its entirety, and Eric will be preaching on the last section. So as we call each other into worship this morning, we will be speaking the words of Psalm 25, verses 1 through 7. Come, let us call each other into worship using the word of God. O Lord, I give my life to you. I trust in you, my God. Do not let me be disgraced or let my enemies rejoice in my defeat. No one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced, but disgrace comes to those who try to deceive others. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me, for your goodness sake, O Lord. Amen. Amen. Please pray with me. Merciful, loving God, we come before you this morning with hearts of gratitude for showing us and leading us in the paths you want us to take. And though we often turn a blind eye to your direction, you always show us mercy, offer forgiveness, and lift us back onto the path if we let you. In this complex and challenging world, we often struggle to find your way. So we humbly ask you to help us find clarity and simplicity, which you tell us can be found by turning to you, praying to you, listening to your voice, reading your word, taking those truths to heart, obeying your commands, and placing our total faith and trust in you. We ask these things in the name of your Son, who teaches us your ways and taught us how to pray with these words. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his decrees. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who are they that fear the Lord? He will teach them the way that they should choose. They will abide in prosperity, and their children shall possess the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. of a college mission trip to help renovate a church building in Mexico in a rural area there. That trip shaped my life in so many ways, but one of the most powerful things was that the people there, though very economically challenged, were so deeply generous with what they had. Their faith in God and God's provision led them to focus on sharing what they had not on being anxious about what they did not have. Which reflected the kind of prosperity witnessed in Psalm 25, verses 12 and 13. Who are they that fear the Lord? He will teach them the way they should choose. They will abide in prosperity, and their children shall possess the land. Those friends in Mexico, through the generosity of sharing what they had, they chose God's way. A prosperity that goes far beyond numbers and bank accounts, a prosperity of spirit, a prosperity of the heart. May that same faith and generosity and prosperity be ours as well. Let us pray. Generous God, remind us again that the prosperity we seek cannot be found in numbers and accounts, but in trusting you with all that we are and all that we have. Teach us to honor your abundance instead of living out of scarcity. Bless now, we pray, what we as your people here in this place give back to you in worship, praise, and thanksgiving, for you are the giver of all good things. In your name we pray. Amen.
As we transition into a time of intercessory prayer and confession, let us keep in mind those in our congregation who are in need of our intentional prayer. Please keep in mind and pray for Della Grace Porter and the entire Porter family. Felix Daniel, who is recovering from surgery. Uh, Phil Klein, who has been hospitalized. And Luke Smith, son of Kay and Steve Smith, who has also been hospitalized. Also remember the families and loved ones who have been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. And of course, you bring your private prayer concerns. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come here today in fellowship with one another, setting aside this time solely for you to offer praise and worship, to hear you speak to us, and to leave here shaped a little bit more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. So we humbly and quietly come before you, praying. Oh God, we thank you for the times of this week where we smiled and laughed, those times of friendship enjoyed, of meals shared, those times when we appreciate the beauty of nature and we felt at peace in our hearts. And we pause to be grateful for the life you have given us, for all these and so much more. We know that we are blessed. We pray over the past days of difficulty and struggle, for the times where we haven't been our best. We give you thanks that you do not turn away from us and leave us alone. The Bible tells us that when we confess our sins, you are gracious and just to forgive us and help us start anew. And so we confess our sins to you. Lord, be gracious and forgive us. Lord, we lift up our church. We want Fifth Avenue Baptist to be a strong and vital church in our community. We want to be used to, be, to make a difference in the lives of others. The need for hope, acceptance, love, compassion is great, and you are the answer to those needs. Help us to show others the way to you through our programs, our ministries, and most of all, our lives as examples. Lord, we lift up those who are sick, suffering, lonely, misguided, or are just in need of your presence. We ask that you would touch them with your healing, your guidance, and your peace. You have those on our prayer list, but hear us now as people in this congregation, as we lift up Della Grace, Porter, Jay, Susan, and Griffin Porter, we ask that you continue to walk alongside them as baby Della grows stronger each day. We lift up Felix Daniels as he continues to heal from his surgeries. We ask that you be with Phil Klein, Luke Smith, may your Holy Spirit dwell with them. May you guide the doctors and the nurses on each of these cases. May you provide healing mercies and speedy recoveries. Lord, we ask that you show them the way and equip us to help assist in any way possible. Lord, we pause now to lift, lift up to you our private prayer concerns, requests, and confessions. Lord, in your mercy, 
hear our prayers. As we now turn to a time to reflect of our confessions, allow us to be overwhelmed by the outpouring of your forgiveness. May we feel the magnitude of your grace. It is only in the matchless name of Jesus we pray these things. O oh Lord, hear our prayer. Amen. Psalm 25, verse 16 through 22. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely 
and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and bring me out of my distress. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. Oh, guard my life and deliver me. Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all its troubles. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Thank you, Laura and John, for leading us in worship. Benjamin Corey is a military veteran uh, who has served his country faithfully. And like many veterans, when he came home after uh, leaving active service, he dealt with depression. One night he found himself in a dark and lonely emotional place and he made plans to bring an end to his life. Before doing so, he went to the store to purchase something to drink to help him fulfill his intentions. And while there, while driving there, he cried out to Jesus and he prayed over and over, do you love me? Do you love me, God? Do you, do you love me? He made his purchase and while he was at the store, uh, a woman walked up to him and smiled and put a piece of paper in his hand. He didn't know her. She didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. He thought it was strange. He didn't read what was in the paper. He just put it in his pocket and then forgot about it. And he went home and was back still in that dark place, that dark living room where the shades had not opened to let in the sunshine for weeks. And he was overwhelmed by how his life had spiraled out of control and he began to sob and he began to move toward acting on his plans. And then he remembered. He remembered the piece of paper and he pulled it out of his pocket and he read the words, it is a fact that God loves you. It is a fact that God loves you you. And through that piece of paper and the words written on it and the stranger who was the vessel for the love of Jesus, his life was saved that night. And now Benjamin Corey follows Jesus and walks alongside other veterans like him who deal with depression. And he works for the peace of Christ wherever he goes. Two things from the story to connect with Psalm 25. First, as he's driving to the store, he cries out to Jesus. He, he cries out, he pleads with God, do you love me? Do you love me, oh God? He's at the end of his rope. There's nowhere else to turn. And he reaches out to God. And that's what our passage is today. Verses 16 through 22, it's attributed to David, but we're not given in Psalm 25. We're not told the specifics of the situation. We just know that there is an enemy and there is a danger and it's overwhelming and it produces at the end of the Psalm, this desperate, urgent, anguished crying out to God. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Verse 16. Relieve the troubles of my heart. Bring me out of my distress. Consider my affliction and my trouble, verse 18. Verse 20, oh, guard my life and deliver me. The situation is so grave that calm words before God are not enough. It is the time to pour out your soul to the Lord. 
And maybe you've been in that place before for yourself or for someone you love. The, the danger, the difficulty, the sickness, the challenge, the, the overwhelming occurrences in the song that Laura uh, gave to us a moment ago. It describes all kinds of difficult life situations that people all around us experience, many of us have experienced. We know what it's like, maybe not to use the exact language of verses 16 through 22, but we've been in those situations where our heart longs to cry out to God in this kind of urgent way. So the first connection from the story is this sense of a man in, in deep difficulty and he cries out to God, do you love me, O God, just like the psalmist in our passage today. But the second connection is that uh, God answers the prayer of, of Ben Corey. Uh, the, the woman appears with the note used by God to bless him and to save his life. God hears and responds to our pleading, our urgent cries for help. Now, not always in the way that we would like, and we don't always see or understand the ways in which God responds to our prayers. We'll talk about that in a moment. But, but in this remarkable story, we see God active in the life of one individual who was in a desperate situation. Now, we don't see the deliverance described in, verse 20, in Psalm 25. The psalm ends before we know that. But what we do see is the prayer offered in deep faith that God will respond. This prayer, its foundation, verses 16 through 22, is not in the desperate situation, not just in that situation. And the foundation of the prayer is not just the awareness that, that only God can deliver. This prayer flows from and gets its energy from. It is built on the deep belief that God is active in the world, active in the lives of individuals. God is the decisive actor in the world, not just the one who made all things and sustains all things, but the one who through the Holy Spirit is intimately involved in your life, my life, our church, and all over the world, working to bring about that day when the kingdom of God is fully present, when the new creation is fully established, when all is as God wills it to be. But back to that sense that we all have, that awareness that we all have, that God does not always answer our prayers in the way that we would like. I confess, and my guess is that I am not alone, that I very rarely pray with the urgency and with the demand that comes or that we see in verses 16 through 22. Now, there are a lot of reasons why I don't, why we don't often pray with this kind of urgency. But one of the biggest reasons, I think, my sense is that we don't pray like these verses is because we don't want to be disappointed. Because God doesn't always provide 
a stranger who hands us a note that gives the words, the exact words that we need to hear at that moment. And for every Benjamin Corey whose life is miraculously saved, there are hundreds of people who die tragically where God does not intervene. God does not always heal, does not always protect in the way that we would like. Which means that it's harder at times to pray with the kind of urgency, desperation that we see in our passage today. We pray with our minds that tell us and that rightfully cause us to think through things in such a way that we know that, that we cannot control God and that the ways of the Lord are far beyond our ways of fully understanding and certainly beyond our ways of controlling. And we pray with that faithful mindset, but often that keeps us from praying with the passion and the urgency and the faith that we see in verses 16 through 22. Let's notice a particular difference, a pattern that runs throughout the entire psalm. This is why we printed the whole psalm in our bulletin today that I think might help us understand why we have a tendency, uh, a hard time, I guess, to pray with the kind of desperation and urgency that we see in verses 16 through 22. The first seven verses of the psalm and the last seven verses of the psalm are direct prayer to God. Words spoken directly to God, addressed to the Lord. And then with the exception of verse 11, all of the middle verses, verses 8 through 15, are words about God. So verses 8, the middle section of the psalm is more teaching. It's more commentary. It's talking about who God is. The first seven verses and the last seven verses are direct prayers. All of the last seven verses have this sense of urgency that we're talking about this morning. Most of the first seven verses have this sense of urgency as well. But it is not a surprise that the middle verses talking about God instead of to God have less passion, have less urgency. They're, they're more of this calm commentary, faithful words, of course, but calm commentary on who God is. Let's look at verse 15 uh, as an example. Verse 15 says this, my eyes are ever toward the Lord for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Words about God. In verse 15, the danger is already there that we'll see described in verse 16. Uh, there is, it's, it's symbolized by a net that ensnares and there is the statement of faith that God will rescue, pluck my feet, pluck my feet out of the net. But, but, it's not until we get to verse 16 that we have this huge urgency. We move from commentary about who God is and what he will do, and we get to this, this urgent turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and I am 
afflicted. I confess, I'm more comfortable talking to you about God in the style of verse 15 than I am praying urgently to God in the style of verse 16 and the rest of the passage. Because when I'm talking about, when we're focused on verse 15, when we're thinking about who God is and talking about who God is, we're doing so truthfully, we're doing so accurately and biblically, and we're doing so with our minds, but it's only when we get to verse 16 when our whole hearts, our whole souls get involved and we desperately, urgently cry out to the Lord. In verse 15, we're able to have all kinds of of, uh, allowances in mind. We're we're thinking rightly through the faith and, and we know that God doesn't always answer our prayers the way we want them to be answered, which is right. But, but, but somehow, if we stay with verse 15 and never get to verse 16, we miss out on the deep, deep faith that God calls us to practice and calls us to live in our life in the world. We're more comfortable with the calm manner of the verses in the middle of the psalm than we are with the verses at the beginning and at the end. Without forgetting that God is not bound to answer our prayers in the way we want, the invitation of the passage is to pray verses 16 through 22, to engage with complete honesty, transparent desperation, and deep faith in God. We do so for ourselves and for those around us. My guess is that there have been a lot of urgent prayers pleading to God with deep faith that have been offered from this community over the last several weeks for Della Porter. We can do this. We can pray in this way. We do this for ourselves, but we also do this for a world that is hurting and that is suffering. We do this with great urgency praying for a world that's far from being what God wills it and wants it to be. There's another shift at the very end of the psalm. Verse 22, redeem, O Israel, out of all its trouble. 21 verses are about the individual. The very last verse is about the community. Verse one, we read it in the call to worship. Oh Lord, I give you my life. I lift up my soul, some translations say. We read it, uh, Doug read it a moment ago. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way, individual sinners. The passage that the sermon is about. Turn to me, verse 16, and be gracious to me, verse 17, relieve the troubles of my heart, 
Consider, verse 19, how many are my foes. Verse 20, O guard my life and deliver me. It is good and it is right for us to pray these words for ourselves and for the individuals around us. But then the last verse, 22, redeem Israel, O God, out of all its troubles. The shift to the individual, from the individual to the community, notice that it occurs not in the middle verses where we're just talking about God. It occurs at the very end when there is desperate prayer offered to God. God is not only at work in our individual lives, but is also at work in the larger community and the larger world. Think back to the story. A man is in desperate trouble. He cries out to God. God is active in the world. A woman hands him a note, a stranger. His life is turned around. God's doing that for individuals and is active everywhere. Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann writes this, the creator of heaven and earth is at work to mend and redeem and repair and rehabilitate the world so that it may become the good creation, the new creation that God has always and everywhere intended. God is, even as we speak, doing the work of bringing the entire world under God's good rule and will not quit until it is finished. Part of that work involved, again, using the woman in the store to bless a man in trouble. Part of that work involves people like you and me, inviting people all around us to follow Jesus with us. Part of that work of God in ways beyond what we can see or fully note is the truth that God is at work righting wrongs, ending suffering, establishing peace, causing justice to flow down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream in the words of the prophet Amos. At this very moment, Jesus, the master gardener, tends the new creation through the Holy Spirit, giving it growth, allowing us to see it, pointing us to the day when the new creation will be all that we see when Christ returns and the kingdom comes and all is as God wills it to be. We have a role to play in all of this, praying for the kingdom to come. Hopefully with growing urgency, we pray for people who suffer and for the suffering needs of our world. Praying for the people and the needs that the Spirit places on our hearts. And from our prayers, we act with love and witness and service and sacrifice, participating in and becoming vessels of God's decisive action in the world. There was a downtown Atlanta church, much like ours. Uh, most of the congregation didn't live in the neighborhood, but drove in for Sundays and other activities. And there was a shooting in the neighborhood. Several people were killed. And the, the whole staff, pastors and administrative staff and custodial staff, they all gathered in the church before the altar uh, to pray for their community. 
And the pastors led the prayer to begin with, and they prayed with, with deep faith, heartfelt prayers for the, the community, those who had lost people that they loved. But, but their praying was certainly more along the lines of the style, the feel of the middle verses of Psalm 25, a calmer, cooler kind of praying. And then one of the custodians stood up to pray, and this custodian prayed in the, the style and in the urgency and in the faith of verses 16 through 22. And a remarkable thing happened. The church began to change that day. The praying of the church changed, the, the praying with urgency for the entire neighborhood and the people around it, which led to greater desire to know the people that lived around the church and to be a part of the challenges, the solution to the challenges that the neighborhood faced. And for the entire church, there came this new awareness that God truly is alive and active, the decisive actor in our world today. And we have the privilege and the responsibility to participate, to be vessels through whom this active God of creation works to bring about redemption, works to bring about the kingdom. Sisters and brothers, this passage today gives us permission, biblical language, a biblical calling to pray with urgency, with desperation, if need be, for ourselves and for our families, and for the people around us that we love, if we are, when we are in situations of distress and deep need. And this passage not only gives us permission to pray this way for ourselves and those we know and love, but it is a call to pray with urgency for a world that does not know the love of Jesus that suffers for any who suffer for a world that's so far from being what God has made it to be. It is a call to pray with urgency for our community, for our neighbors. And as we pray for each other and for ourselves, as we learn to do so, and for the world, we begin to experience once again in the words of Walter Brueggemann, we come to a place whereby each day we expect God's decisive action, fully confident that things need not stay the way they are and will not stay the way they are simply because God is God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hymn 636 is our hymn of response. I must tell Jesus, perhaps you need to sing it with a little more urgency today than normal. Or maybe you want to sing it with urgency for someone else or for our hurting world. As we sing, I will stand before the congregation to receive those who would profess faith in Jesus publicly for the first time or who as a follower of Christ would come to be baptized. 
uh, or who, who would come as a follower of Christ to join our church, to profess your faith and to be baptized. Or you may simply need to come forward and pray. Would you stand as we sing together? Again, the invitation to return this evening at 6 o'clock for the ordination service of Devante Edwards. It will be a blessing. There will be a reception following the ordination service tonight. Now go forth in the name of the Father, the decisive agent of action and love in this world. Go forth in the name of the Son who lived, died, and was raised for us to establish the new creation who lives now to intercede for us and will return to fully establish God's kingdom and go forth in the name of the Spirit who empowers us and enables us 
to pray with urgency for each other and for the world. Amen. Amen.